My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if we haven't gotten the chance to meet, uh, man, I just want to welcome you in this place. Uh, it's a special place. It's, it's my church home, and I absolutely love it. Hey, church, if you love your church, would you make some noise over here? A boy in a boy in that church at home. If you're new or newer here, man, welcome. I, I almost threw out the Olive Garden slogan that when you're here, you're family. I, I don't know why that came to my mind. Constantly thinking about food. I do love food. Um, but man, when you, when you are here in this place, you are family and we, we love you and we hope that you find a home here. Uh, and it's so good to see this room fill. I'm sure Boynton's filling up in a church at home, wherever you're at. Man, I'm just glad that you're tuning in to this message series, Awaken. Uh, last week we had Dr. John Maxwell kick us off. It's hard to follow up John Maxwell, okay? You can clap for him, yes. But it's hard to follow up the doctor. It's, he's like a a spiritual papa to us over here. He's like a spiritual father to this house. We really have loved his leadership and, and just been mentored it, uh, or by it from afar. And he's just an incredible leader. Gave an amazing message. If you missed it, go back uh, from last week, catch up with us. Uh, but I'm in the second installment of this message series called Awaken, and I'm fired up. I, I got a lot of scripture to cover today, but I'm excited for what God's gonna teach us through it. Are you guys ready to go? Are you ready to like learn and Soak it up and absorb it. Good. I am. I wore a t-shirt today because I do sweat, so I hope this will cool me down. I got my sweat rag ready. We're, we're ready to go, okay? If you're new or newer, you're like, dude, that's gross. I don't know why we're there. I do have a nickname around here called the Sweaty Teddy. I have fully embraced that. I am a teddy bear. I love people, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But I have a portion of scripture to read in this idea of awaken. I love awakening and revival. I get fired up. I'm like the Pentecostal on staff, dude. When I get to when I get to preach this stuff and preach about the Holy Spirit, I just get fired up inside of me. I already got someone fired up in the crowd, so I'm, I'm excited and ready to go because I believe we actually all desire awakening. I really do believe that. I believe we desire revival. We desire fire to be shut up in our bones and for it to make its way out into this world because this world needs the fire of God, does it not? Man, it needs people who are on fire and passionate for Jesus, who love people deeply and will go to the ends of the earth to find them and to give the gospel to them. And we're gonna get there. But I have this large passage of scripture to read to you and a story that might be familiar to some of you if you've been around church, and maybe if not, maybe this is new for you, I would, I would love for you just to lean in, and, and if it's old or new, to hear it with fresh ears. But this is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And that's like a wild title, right, to that story. You're like, I'm glad they came to church already. It's gonna get interesting. But I, I love this story so much. And through this semi-long, short-type passage, there's so much for us to learn. And I'm gonna pull out some like nerdy Bible facts, like get ready for me to be like, ooh, like that, I just, I get excited. I am, I love the word of God and what it has to teach us. So I'm gonna jump in, hang with me and kind of hear these words afresh and anew, even if you've heard this story before. This is Acts 8, verse 26. It says, now this, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. We're gonna get there in a minute. Verse 27, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
So you start to paint the picture of what's going on. There's this Ethiopian eunuch who has somehow heard about Jesus and the stirrings around Jerusalem and all the wild events that have taken place. And he's made his way there to worship. He's returning though, which is interesting because there was some tension culturally with who this man was and there was some division even back then, maybe some racial tension of who this man was. So he's returning and reading and still kind of questioning. We're gonna go on to see this. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, check this out. Like a sheep that he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. This is the early uh, prophetic word from Isaiah about Jesus. And happenstance, God tells Philip to go down a strange road to a desert place to find this man reading this passage. How cool is this? Verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Here's what I believe. I believe if we want to experience awakening in our lives, revival in our lives, here's the first thing I'd love for you to jot down if you're a note taker. And it's this, it's simply at the beginning of the passage, it's rise and go. Look at your neighbor, tell him rise and go. Boy in, or those at church at home, tell them rise and go. Look to your neighbor right now, do the thing, say rise and go. Rise and go. Simply rise and go. You see the angel of the Lord, theologians believe this to be Jesus, right? This like a really cool post version of Jesus just showing up and speaking to his people. And he says, Philip, rise and go. You don't see Philip question. There is no retort from Philip. There is no like, uh, I don't know, bad idea. Like, I don't really want to go for a walk right now, Jesus. There's none of that. Says he just simply gets up and goes. And I feel like God in the richness of his word has so much for us to learn, even in that little phrase. I got a couple words for, I think, people this morning. And then I, even last night reading through the passage again, I felt like God was just showing me new stuff over and over and over again. But here's what I want to speak maybe to the first group of people. That you need to rise. You need to get back up. You need to get back up. Maybe life has knocked you down. Maybe it didn't turn out how you thought it would. Maybe you've let discouragement have just too much room in your heart and in your soul. Maybe that breakup just derailed you. Maybe the business deal fell through. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but could you hear the prophetic voice just saying, would you just rise? Would you just get back up? I've got stuff for you to do. I've got places for you to go. And you cannot be held down by this. You need to rise and get up. I think that's for somebody in here, maybe at church at home or over at Boynton. You just got to get back up. I love this truth. A mentor once told me, God loves to move or hit a moving target. Anyone heard that before? God loves to hit a moving target. He just says, get up, get up and go. I, there's so many get up and go moments, rise up and go moments throughout scripture. You see him say that to Abraham. 
Get up and go to a land. You don't even know really where you're going. Philip, get up and go. Find this eunuch. Take, take this road down. You don't even really know what you're doing there. But he had something for him. And maybe some of you that have been knocked down by life, maybe you could declare this scripture over your life. This is Micah 7, 8. It's not going to be up on the screen for you. And I, want, I specifically did that because I want to speak it over you. I want to speak it over you because we, we, we need to be people who, who don't stay knocked down. That that's not what God has for us. That I know life is hard and I'm not dismissing the trial or the difficulty, whatever it was. But what I am saying is you got to get back up. And Micah 7, 8, I love this scripture. It says this, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Don't gloat over me. It's what we sang. It's what we sang this morning. In the presence of my enemies, I'm still going to raise a hallelujah. Why? Because I'm not going to, oh, I'm getting fired up now. Throwing my notes around. This is Pentecostal now. I'm getting fired up. Take a praise break for a minute here. Okay. All right. Come on. (laughs) You can look the enemy in the eye and say, don't gloat over me. Though I've fallen, I will rise. And I love what he ends the scripture. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I might sit in darkness for a moment, but that is not where I'm meant to stay. We need to rise and go. If we want to see awakening break out in our lives, we need to get up and go. There's so many good Bible nerd facts, like I said, to this scripture. So like, let me geek out just for a minute. When he says, go to Jerusalem, to Gaza, he does say, go down. Go down to Gaza. So everything, because Jerusalem was built up on a mount, everything was kind of downhill from Jerusalem. And here's the second word I have to speak to somebody in the room. This isn't even really my notes. This won't be up on the screen for you, but some of you feel like you're going downhill. Some of you are like, man, life isn't really turning out how I thought it might. You feel that downward slope. But can I encourage you with this, that maybe God's at work. Maybe he's teaching you to be dependent on him. Maybe he's leading you to a place actually of destiny and calling. But it seems downhill. Maybe he has someone for you to meet downhill in the valley that you can relate to that you can share your story with, that you can help lead to Jesus, just like Philip. You see, Philip was going downhill, but he found calling and purpose and destiny in it. To the person who feels like, man, I'm I'm heading downhill, you can meet God downhill. (laughs) He'll find you anywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. There's no shadow he wouldn't light up. There's no mountain he wouldn't climb up to find you. What I think is so interesting too, the, the, the fact that the writer of Acts adds that it was a desert place. <laughs> How many of God calls you to go somewhere want to go to a desert place? You know what I'm saying? Like I think that's just an interesting kind of throw it in there. Uh, Philip goes somewhere. I have this place for you to go. And he's like, where, Lord? Well, it's a desert place. <laughs> like, I don't, that doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound fun. Not a lot going on in the desert. Lots of heat. I would not survive that well. I'm shocked that God called me to Florida, to be honest with you. I, 
Seems very strange, but I love this place. But, but he calls him to a desert place. Because can I tell you this? I preached this a couple months ago. Because he's called us as God's people to bring life to dead places. To bring fruitfulness to barren places. That's the mission of the gospel. To go to barren places and to be fruitful. It's the mandate that we got in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply. That's never stopped. Philip, go to a desert place. There's not going to be a lot going on. But you bring the fruitfulness of the gospel to that desert place and you're going to find somebody. And it might not be who you expected it to be. Life might not be turning out how you thought it would, but I have a plan. You see, I, that same mentor that told me, that other quote had always told me this, Josh, don't worry. The, the Holy Spirit will always move with purpose, plan, and intention. God is not haphazard. How many of you know that in the room? God's got it together. He's got plans. He's got the thing under control, the whole world in his hands. We sang it again today. Lord, I trust you. Like even when I can't see what's going on, I know you know what's going on. And Philip just learned to listen to his voice and be obedient and even go downhill to a desert place and finds purpose and calling and destiny. Here's what I would challenge you with. You want awakening. You want, you want that fire in your belly. You want, you want revival in your life and in your family and your workplace. God might call you to some barren places to see some miracles happen. He might call you to the desert place, but fruitfulness is going to break out. You want to see him uh, perform some miracles, some resurrection power, some life where there was death. He's going to call you into some barren places. I uh, was having a, a conversation with uh, one of our interns, and I, I love her so much. Her name's Ashley. She's just a, a rock star. And uh, she was talking about kind of her next steps and, and was talking about her, her current job, like working at Chipotle. And apparently the climate at Chipotle isn't super great. I don't know. I love Chipotle. Like, I'm, I'm down for it. I'm, I always feel like I have a good experience there. I do see... Some people aren't the most happy to work at Chipotle. I get it. If you got to scoop guac all day long, that's pretty miserable. It's kind of gross. It makes gross noises. Like, I get it. I get it. It turns brown. Like, it's not great. But, you know, she was talking to some of us in, in our staff, and we got to have this moment to kind of pastor her and challenge her a bit when she was talking about her job. She said, man, it's just a, a tough environment. and just not, not super great. And we got the pastor and we were like, maybe that's why God's got you there. <laughs> maybe that's why you're supposed to be there. Because you bring light into darkness. You bring life into death. You bring hope where there was hopelessness. You have the spirit of God inside of you to bring fruitfulness to barren places so you got to trust that he has a plan. The Holy Spirit, he's going to move with purpose, plan, and intention. But I want to encourage you with this as well. If the Spirit of God, if he has planned the moment, this is going to be on the screen for you. Take some notes. If he has planned the moment, he will empower the moment. Can I get an amen? amen. If he's planned the moment, he's going to empower it. He's not going to leave you hanging. Why in the world would he lead you to a place and then be like, nope, not going to happen? That's not who he is. This is when life gets really exciting, by the way. 
Like you, you surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, let him start leading, crazy stuff starts happening. God brings you to places you never thought you'd go and you see things that you never thought you'd see and, and God moves in miraculous ways. But some of us have this nagging doubt in our heart that if I step out, if I rise and go, is he actually gonna meet me on the other side of that? Will, will he actually show up? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands, but I just wonder how many of us in this room or maybe over at Boynton or online would be like, yeah, that's me. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I, rise and go sounds kind of scary and exciting, but like, I don't know if I can trust him. And I get it. <laughs> I've been there. But can I tell you something? Every time that I'm there, I realize that I just have the wrong view of who he is. I just have the wrong view of my father. Maybe I would challenge you with that today. Maybe you just have the wrong view of who God is. That he's a really, really good father. And he loves his kids so much. And he's not gonna leave you hanging. He's never gonna abandon you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. I could tell you those things, but you'll only experience them when you step out in faith and you rise and go. I love Chris Hodges said this, as our view of God will determine our approach to him. Where are all my golfers in the room? Where are my golfers? Maybe over at Boynton 2, at Church at Home. I see you, I see your hands. I uh, have golfed more probably over the past couple of years than I ever have. I'm not very good at all. Uh, but I do understand this principle to be true, that, that the view of the green and the pin determines my approach to it. It will determine my approach size. It's, it's the same with God. My view of who he is determines how I approach him. And we might have the wrong view, which holds us back to rising and going and actually experiencing some of the miraculous things that God has for us in our life. Because I just, I, I just have the wrong view, and so I don't approach him. But could you remember the words of Jesus? This is Matthew 7. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone. Some of you are like, I want to give my kid a stone sometimes. <laughs> or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a steak? Don't suggest that either, okay? If then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, your children, how much more, look at your neighbor and say, how much more? How much more will your heavenly father, your father in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? To those who ask him. So in everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Maybe we just have the wrong view of him. And that will determine our approach to him. And maybe that's the first miracle that he needs to kind of awaken in this room and over at Boynton and Church at Home is to allow you to see who he really is that he's a good father who has good gifts for his kid. Why in the world, if my son would ask for bread, would I give him a stone? And he says, if you who are evil, you who are imperfect and broken, you still know how to give some pretty good gifts. How much more does your perfect heavenly father wanna give gifts to those <laughs> who ask him? My wife is so awesome. I love my wife dearly. She's up in snowy New York right now. I can't wait to get there and I'll stop sweating, hopefully. Uh, but she's up there visiting our family. Babe, if you're watching, I love you. We got four kiddos. She traveled on an airplane with all of them. God bless her. I don't know how she did it, to be honest with you. Uh, talk about wanting to give your kids a stone. Yikes. 
Um, but she's been such a catalyst in my faith and encouragement to me. She received this word a long time ago, and this word actually from the Lord, a really sweet, tender word, uh, propelled us into missions and eventually into full-time ministry. But she just got this, this sense and this impression from the Lord that he said, Brianna, or we call her Brie, Brie, I'm good and I'm not holding out on you. I'm good and I'm not holding out on you. I've got good things for you and I'm not holding out. I'm not that kind of God. And I'm telling you that simple but profound word propelled us into a life of missions and ministry. And like I said, we got to go see some amazing things around the world and God used us in incredible ways. And we just were the people that were like, we'll rise and go. We don't know what we're doing or where we're going. I remember when I got this invitation here down to Journey Church, we were not in the greatest place in life and we had been kind of burnt out of certain ministry and I was working in construction sales at the time. I had a little bit of background in that and working myself to the bone. I'd leave the house at 5.30 a.m. I wouldn't get home till 9.30 at times, barely seeing my kiddos. And we get this random message. Hey, you wanna move to Florida? I'm like, what? I'm a New Yorker. Of course I want to move to Florida. This is where we all come to die. Like, I cannot wait. Like, that. yes. I've reached the promised land somehow. I don't even know, like, what? Yeah, great. Yep. I remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. We come here to live and enjoy life. I'm sorry. Not die. That was. <laughs> Where's all my New Yorkers at in the room? Come on. Yeah. Yep. Floridians are like, we know you're from New York. We get it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we just felt this, this whisper again. We heard that whisper, rise and go. Rise and go. We weren't sure what it meant. We weren't sure where we were going. We weren't sure what we were doing. And six years later, we've been down here and we've loved every single second of it. And God is working and moving in this place. And I'm telling you, he can do the same in your life. You just got to rise and go. You got to do the thing. You know, here's, here's what's, uh, what's interesting. Some of you might be thinking, well, what happens if I do? Like, what happens if I do, like, step out? Like, what, what's going to happen? And I would almost ask you the more important question, what happens if you don't? What, what happens if you don't? What happens to the Ethiopian eunuch if Philip doesn't show up? Now, I'm not, I'm not limiting God, right? He says if we don't praise, the rocks would start singing. Like, I get it. He can do all things. But, but maybe you could be Philip to somebody. Maybe, maybe they need Mary, or they need Rich, or they need Pam, or they need John, or they need Sarah. They, maybe that person needed Philip in that moment. Maybe God had equipped Philip just, just right to, to meet that Ethiopian and to have eyes of love and care for that man and to say, I don't care what kind of barriers separate us religiously or socially or even the whole eunuch thing you got going on. Like, I don't, none of that's going to hold me back from loving who you are and seeing the potential in you and seeing you the way God would call me to see you. Maybe the more important question to ask is what happens if you don't? But I wanna encourage you on the backside of that with this truth, that people are searching for the truth. 
What, what this story tells me is that when God is on the move, when he has planned the moment and empowered the moment, you're gonna run into some people who are really searching for the truth. How wild is it that the Ethiopian eunuch has his Bible open or the scripture scrolls open to Isaiah to this passage that's very clearly referring to Jesus. And, and it's like the Holy Spirit's teeing it up for him. Like Philip just has to step into the environment. How easy would it be if you're like, I thought about that from last week with Don Maxwell talking about sharing our faith. How easy would it be if the Holy Spirit teed everything up like this? You walk into a room and into an office or whatever and the guy's like, hey dude, I was just reading the Bible and it's this really cool part in Isaiah and it's actually talking about like this guy who was slain. Do you know who that guy is? <laughs> like he was like a lamb to the slaughter, like the lamb of God, like something like that. Do you know who he is? <laughs> You'd be like, what? Like what? Yeah, no, I do. I know that guy. I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. But it might not be as hard as we think it is. Because people are searching for the truth. God's word tells us that it's actually been built inside of us, this longing for eternity. This longing to be known and known by God. To know him and be known by him. It's inside of them. And Philip runs up to the chariot. We won't read that whole passage again. But I love his response, the eunuch's response, because Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I, unless someone, put your name in that blank there, someone. How can I, unless Phil, unless Sally, unless Connor, unless Jim, how could I, unless, put your name there for a moment, how could I unless someone explains it to me? So he invites Philip up into his space. <laughs> he says, come sit with me. And I love it. It says in verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. What I love about this, this is for free. This isn't in my notes. Pete, or uh, Philip started right where that Ethiopian eunuch needed him to start. Maybe, maybe that didn't land or you don't understand, but like he, he just started right where that guy was. He didn't skip any steps. He didn't insult the guy and be like, come on, you don't know what this is talking about? Like, get, get it together, dude. None of that. You know who I think Philip learned that from is Jesus. Because <laughs> Jesus walked up to a bunch of goofball fishermen, said, hey, I could use you. And they're like, what? Like, really? Like us? He goes, yeah, I'll just teach you to be fishers of men. I'll just start with where you're at. <laughs> I'll relate to you. I'll speak your language. I'll figure out who you are and your gifts and your, I could use guys like you. And guess what they did? They rose and they went. They just got up and went. <laughs> Can you hear Jesus calling you today, just rise and go. I've got something for you. I've got a plan and I'm gonna empower that thing too. Don't, don't you believe that I'm gonna leave you hanging? 
Here's what I want you to see from this scripture too, which is so cool, because they have this really beautiful moment where Philip is able to, to lead the Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. The eunuch believes, and later it says that they were going along their way and they see water, and he's like, stop this chariot. Let's baptize this dude. Let's help him take his next step. And then it says the Holy Spirit, after that moment, just scoops Philip away, because Philip's got other stuff to go do. And the Ethiopian eunuch is like, where'd that guy just go? But then he's like, man, it's no matter. Like, he just continues to go on and celebrate. Here's what I want you to see. Never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in you. Do not doubt his power for a minute because he's got a plan and he'll empower the plan and he's gonna use you to do it. He's got Philip in mind for this eunuch. He says, no, there's this guy, Philip, you got to rise and go. He knocks on Philip's heart. He says, you got to just go. Well, where? Just south, head downhill. Okay, that feels weird. Go to a desert place. All right, not great. I don't know where we're going. But he goes, because in a desert place, there was an Ethiopian eunuch. That's hard to say, by the way, Ethiopian eunuch. He's trying to say that seven times fast, right? That's... He's got this eunuch on the side of the road. He says, Philip, I, I just, I love people so much that I'll go to any place, I'll go to any length to find that one by the side of the road. And, and Philip's just obedient. I want you to see what, what God does through Philip's availability in this life. Philip just says, okay, I'll go. I'm here. I'm the guy for the job, I guess. Like, I'm gonna go do it. And he discovers that the Holy Spirit has very much a plan and he empowers that plan because he has a work to do in us and through us. How many of you know that? He's got a work to do in you and through you. And I wanna, I wanna <laughs> close and kind of challenge you with this thought today. I know that this was a little bit shorter because I want you to maybe go home and chew on some of this. He's got a work to do in us and through us. I've heard a lot of people over this last couple years with all the tension and the division and the strife in our culture. I heard someone say verbatim, they're a believer. I heard them say this the other day. They were like, Josh, I just, I'm just starting to hate people. I'm just starting to hate people, I think. And I'm telling you, I felt heartbreak in that moment, but I felt like I felt God's heartbreak in that moment. Like, man, if these are my people who are supposed to rise and go and go to the ends of the earth, and it's like, like John said last week, it's whoever, and there's no however to that. There's no follow-up after that. There's no, well, however, Jesus. No, he says, whoever. Whoever believes in me. Yeah, it's that coworker that you don't really like. It's that boss that you can't stand. Gosh, it's that in-law that you know you're gonna see in a couple days that yeah, Jesus loves that person a lot. Oof. It's a tough one. He loves him so much though. And, and can, can maybe you see today that that's the work he wants to start doing in you is to change your heart to love people again. I'll never forget, I was in my 
my freshman year of college, and uh, God had really started to get a hold of my life. Some of you guys know my story. God, God found me like <laughs> half drunk at a, at a party, throwing up in a basement sink. And I heard God's voice clear as day as, as a teenager. I, I, I do not deny it. I heard it twice. So parents, don't give up on your kiddos. By the way, I turned out all right. But God found me in that moment and it set me on this trajectory towards him. But I remember stepping into my freshman year of college and I started to get this love for people again. But I was a little scared. Like I, I, I would rise and go, but I just wasn't sure that God was gonna show up. And I remember my whole first semester, I kind of like kept my faith to me. Like I wasn't really bold. I didn't really want to share it with anybody. And there was a defining moment that happened. It still gets me emotional when I think about it because it rocked me. I was walking down the halls of this little community college up in New York. And I remember seeing kids like, this was not like your... You're like top tier college, by the way. I went to community college, okay? It was like 13th grade. Like, that's how it felt. <laughs> kids, kids would refer to it as 13th grade. I'm not joking. But I remember walking down the hall and seeing these kids sitting on the floor somewhere standing, waiting for their next class. And I had typically kind of kept my head down in my, <laughs> I had an old blocky, iPod. That's what I was listening to. Remember the color screen one that came out? I was pretty fly back then, okay? Like I, I put those head, headphones in and I just, I would listen and keep my head down and make my way through that hallway. I didn't want to make eye contact with people. I just want to get in and out. Because it felt like a desert. I didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be there. Our professors acted like they didn't want to be there. It was a it was a desert place, man. And I'll never forget, I felt like God opened my eyes to see people for who they were. And I walked down the hallway and I remember connecting eyes with people. And there's this girl sitting in her backpack sobbing. She like was hunched up like with her backpack on her, sobbing. I remember stopping and just asking her some questions like, hey, are you all right? Like, I remember just seeing people as like souls going somewhere with an eternal destiny. They had purpose and value all of a sudden. And I remember thinking, walking out those doors that day, I'm not gonna waste it. I'm gonna come back here next semester and I'm gonna rise and go and just try to bring some light into darkness. And I remember coming back that next semester and starting to share my faith. And it was awkward. I'm telling you, it was weird sometimes. In that dark of a place, in that desert of a place, it was weird. But it was so cool to watch that little bit of light start to affect the darkness. And the friends in my row that were all partying and doing drugs and sleeping around, I started to just witness to them kind of one at a time, like not in an awkward or weird way. I just started a conversation. I started with where they were at. If we were talking about biology, I would try to bring God into biology. If they were talking about, I was in construction technology at the time. If they were talking about engineering, I would just talk about the creator of all things. I just tried to start with where they were at. And I'll never forget my buddy Alphonse, he was in class with me one day and he goes, hey bro, are you a Christian? 
It's kind of a weird, like, leading, you know, question to ask somebody. Hey, are you? And he was a believer too. And he said, man, I want to encourage you. Like, I was really, really shy to, like, be sharing my faith. And I don't want to tell anybody that I was a Christian here. He goes, and then I saw you. And somehow it gave me like some, some encouragement and it built my faith a little bit. And we started working on our buddy, Mike, that we had hung out with so much. And we'd always joke around how we were gonna like surprise baptize him one day, like try to bring in a bunch of water and just dunk him in it and be like, dude, you're baptized. Sorry, dude. Sorry, sorry, I can't help you now, dude. You're in, all right? But we met him where he was at. And I wish I had like the nice bow at the end of this story. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I don't know where he is today. But I do know this. When I, when I was willing to rise and go, I saw so many of those people in my class start to have questions about God. They would ran, randomly come up to me and ask me, out of the blue, I'm telling you, out of the blue, these questions about my faith in Jesus and what do I really believe? And I was over and over and over again able to share with them, just like Philip did with this eunuch. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the creator of all things. Let me tell you about a good father that I have. And I was able to see life change in these guys. I was able to see it in me. I was able to see it in my buddy Alphonse. It was incredible to see. And I, and I, would, I would challenge you with this church. What does it look like for you to rise and go? Trust that he's got a plan and he's gonna empower that plan. And just see what he'll do in your family. Over the holidays, Lord knows we need him coming into Thanksgiving, right? Some of you are like, man, I don't know what I'm stepping into. Sometimes these, these holidays can be like a war zone. Maybe you could bring the light in the darkness. Maybe you could bring hope where there is no hope. Maybe God has called you to be Philip to some people in your life that are gonna receive it from you. God has just, he's wired you a certain way that he's got some people like the Ethiopian eunuch that he has for you to change and help impact and transform to be more and more like him. Let me pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in both places? Church at home in Boynton, talking to you guys too and in the room. I just wanna pray for us that we would be people of great faith that would step up and rise and go to the places that God's calling us to. Let me pray. Father, we love you so much and we believe that you are good and you have good plans and good things and good gifts for us, Lord, and good experiences, God, that the plans that you have, you're gonna empower. You're not gonna leave us hanging. You're gonna show up. God, and, and affect change in a world that needs it so badly. God, you're gonna, you're gonna allow us to bring life where there was death and, and hope where there was hopelessness. Peace, Lord, there were, where there was restlessness. God, I pray that over our church, over these holidays, Lord, I don't know what they're walking into. I don't know what family looks like or what it doesn't look like, God, or the lack thereof, God, but I pray in Jesus' name that you would equip them and empower them, Lord, to shine your light, Lord, into darkness. Father, if they're beaten down, if someone's fallen and they need to rise, Lord, I pray that they would pray Micah 7-8 over them, Lord. They, although they fall, don't let the enemy gloat over them because they will rise. I pray that over them. God, and I pray that you would bless this season coming up, Lord. 
this holiday season that we would represent you well, Jesus. We love you, and we pray all of that in your beautiful name. And all the Journey Church said, amen, amen. I love you guys.